Giddy up, giddy up, giddy up, 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 giddy up, giddy up, giddy up, 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 giddy up, giddy up, giddy up, 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 giddy up, giddy up, up, up. I can't even begin. It, it, it is almost beyond the spectrum of my imagination that I can begin to contemplate the fact that I have the incredible blessing to be able to be back right here, sitting in front of this thing right now for you and for me and for my kids and for my family, for my friends and for all those people in this life and all these people that are out there that have any inclination of trying to understand the human condition. Because I'm telling you what, that's why I do what I do. That's why I'm here. I am here to explore the human condition in order for all of you to be able to use frog logic to defeat the negative insurgency in your life in order to achieve success in every imaginable every environment imaginable. That's pretty heavy stuff. If you know what I mean, just give me an amen, will you? Amen, rut. Amen, rut. Let me hear you say it a little bit louder. Amen, rut. Amen. That's odd, but it gets me fired up to begin to even think and contemplate that we are generating a, 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 a potential group, a, a team, a tribe, if you will, that comes together with absolute positivity, right? By by unifying our, our mindsets together to, to keep out the bad, right? To keep that negative insurgency at bay. <laughs> right? Like some old lion tamer, man, back in the day, back in the early 20th century, right? Like my buddy Von Uhl out there as a growing up in the circus. That's why we called him circus, man. God bless you. Nate, I love you, buddy. I love you, circus. But the reason we have gathered here today is for you, for me, because I haven't done it in forever, literally forever in a day. Well, not quite forever, but I've done I haven't done it in a long time. And that's to fully explain what frog logic is is. Now, I get asked all the time, well, what is frog logic, right? What is it? How do, how, how, how do you explain it? I get frog logic. Most people can't put the two together. Most people think it's frog and logic separately. No, this is one unified concept. This is one unified idea. This is one unified uh, a way of thinking, right? And this is called frog logic. And this is, man, helping you, as I said, helping you to understand the human condition based on my 28 years of exploring and experiencing and researching everything that has to do with how we succeed or fail in the most extreme environments imaginable. Now, this journey, I got to tell you, has been nothing short of just absolutely miraculous, all right? And and in the first podcast, you know, who am I? Why am I here? First one back after a long time, my break, you know, with TNQ. And, you know, at, now that we're here, uh, let's just address this, right? Because it's everybody keeps asking me. Everybody wants to know, you know, what happened? Why did you leave the Team Never Quit podcast? And it's as simple as this. It's as simple as this. Let me repeat it, all right? I needed to be with my family more, right? This thing had grown in such a, such a manner and such a way that, you know, I was spending almost three months a year in Texas recording the show itself because of 
the unique way we had to record, right? Because of the wizard being overseas and coming home and we had these condensed time. So like I'd go, sometimes I'd be in Texas for two weeks at a time recording as many shows as we could to put them out there for when the wizard went back overseas and deployed, man. And this was unbelievable because not only on top of that, you know, I, I, I was spending an incredible amount of time uh, managing the relationship with Westwood One. And we're so grateful and thankful that they sponsored us and all the advertisers and all the reads and getting guests and lining that stuff up. Man, it became this just this Herculean effort on all of our posts, most especially the Wizard. I mean, that dude worked an insane amount of time editing and putting the show together in the art week. It was unbelievable. And so when you start, you know, and, and what ultimately happened was about a year and a half ago, I, I you know, God came down and, and smiled on me once more in my life, which I am incredibly, incredibly blessed. And, and I met my fiance, Jonna, and and we fell in love. And man, uh, next thing you know, I, 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 I asked if she wanted to, you know, co-mingle, to coexist together. She moved in with her two girls. And now all of a sudden I have four girls, a fiance, everybody's in my house, in our house. And that was a massive thing. And, and, and really, you know, it was a year and a half ago, December, I was gone for almost the entire month of December. Cause not only am I doing the show TNQ podcast, but I'm also doing 50, 60 speaking events every year. I'm doing charity functions for veterans causes. Uh, I'm doing private training, tactical training. I'm doing private coaching, performance coaching. I'm working with sports teams. The next thing you know, man, I'm, I'm gone for like 70% of my year away from my children and my fiance. And that started to take its toll on my psychosis, on how I feel, how I felt, and how I acted every day. And, and I felt like when I'd come home, I had, to, I had to jam everything in, and I lived with this heavy guilt in my life. Because I got to tell you, if you're anything, you know, if you're like me in any way, and you've been, you know, going hard and pursuing these, you know, exploring the human condition and trying to live life to its fullest and explore life in its maximum capacities— you know, you've been on the road and you've been out there traveling and you've been experiencing, you've been grinding your, your butt off and whatever it is you're passionate about, whatever it is you're searching, or even just grinding in your job or you're as an entrepreneur or just in any job you have, or man, you know, that feeling, that distance that's created, man, you get into a different space, a different headspace, a different, a, a different, uh, a emotional state. And so I'd come home and I felt this profound guilt felt this profound guilt that I wasn't there for, for all, all these people who truly love me and I love them. And I knew from everything I've read, everything I've studied, that it was not only going to affect me, but it was going to deeply affect my children and my new fiance. And so, you know, what I did is I made a, a distinct decision, right, that I was going to change that I was going to change my life and I needed to regain a huge chunk of my life to be able to give back to the people who love me most and that's why I made the very difficult incredibly hard decision to walk away from the TNQ podcast man and 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 I just again once uh, again I, I you know I read a letter uh, I had a, a, a letter that I read that they posted at the end of the Chad Wright um 
end of the Chad Wright show. So all you got to do is search TNQP Chad Wright episode. And at the end, very end of that episode is where my letter thanking all of the listeners. All I mean, you guys were the most, that was one of the most incredible aspects of being on that show, right? Was this feedback, you know, all the write-in, the never-quit stories that people sent in and the, the, the this community that we were able to build. And, man, it was such a blessing. I truly felt the touch of God in all of that, man. It was incredible. And I want to thank all the listeners. So it's as simple as that. That's the reason why I had to walk away. And for all of you, man, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, I, I just can't thank you enough. Um, I, you know, the fans, the, the listeners and the listener write-ins, just beautiful thing. The guests, the guests absolutely, uh, are, were remarkable. Every single one of you, thank you for the opportunity. You know, Mark Wahlberg, uh, Lance Armstrong, Rick Perry, Peter Berg, Charlie Plum, Tim Kennedy, Matt Best, Evan Hafer, uh, uh, Diana Nyad, uh, Missy Franklin, Tar, <laughs> Dara Torres, um, geez, who else, man? And, and the listeners that we had come on as well too. Incredible. I mean, it was, I learned so much about the human condition doing that show for three and a half years. It was unbelievable, man. I'm so proud to be a part of it that we have that catalog out there. So please go check it out. Team Never Quit Podcast. I'm in the first uh, 120 or so episodes of that. Uh, you'll love it. And most especially, I would love to say thank you to Melanie for letting us use your home and for your assistance, as well as The Wizard and all your incredible work, the amount of time you put in. Really appreciate it. And then also Marcus, brother. I mean, man, uh, you are Mr. Never Quit, and your uh, ability and our, our relationship it means so much to me. And the way you inspire millions and millions of people out there with your story, your message, man, there was nothing better than going down that rabbit hole with you. I, I really thank you a ton. All right. But, man, now I'm back. <laughs> I'm, I'm in Boca Raton. In fact, my, my fiance and the girls are in the other room right now as I'm recording this. So we're, <laughs> I might be busy, but they're, at least they're here with me. Moral support. And I love that about them. All right. Let's get into the nuts and bolts of why we're here today, shall we? All right. Here we go. So Frog Logic. And I've talked a lot about this on different shows out there, right? What is it, where it came from, and, and how did it go down, right? It all stemmed from this God moment I had, the second huge God moment in my life. Actually, the third huge God moment in my life. Sorry about that, God. And where I was working for Blackwater, downrange, you know, doing the uh, drug addiction training and mentoring. We were on the stop. Had this experience with kids. That's what changed the whole thing to recognize that, man, I have a greater probability in life of making a real impact, not by using a gun, but by using my heart, man, and using my head to try and take, give real resources, right? To give a, a real benefit to human humanity. And, and man, I'm not knocking service. I'm not saying that it isn't critical to have uh, people that are willing to go face evil head on. 
uh, for sure. We're seeing that right now in our country and around the world. Uh, although we are in one of the most peaceful times we've ever had in human history, there are still a lot of uh, a lot of evil in this world. And so there's it's a noble cause and a noble trade. I'm glad I was a part a part of that unit, a part of special operations. Glad to serve my country. But it was in that moment that I recognized the greatest asset that I could be to this country uh, was to try and help children. And that's really where it began. It was as simple as that. God was saying, man, you're going to change your mission. You're going to put down a gun. You're going to pick up a pen. You're going to start opening your mouth. And you're going to try and help kids face the negative insurgency, to face that adversity with a smile on her face, with a plan in their mind, and with confidence in their heart that they can overcome all the adversity. And that's what happened, man. And it was it was awesome because, you know, I, I, I thought about working with a bunch of different organizations like Doctors Without Borders. I thought about working with, you know, uh, Red Cross, uh, all these different groups. But the, the fact of the matter is, is that coming from special operations where I was, my mindset, nonprofit, NGOs didn't really see eye to eye. And so luckily when I got back off that deployment where I had that, that spectacular moment of clarity, we'll call it, or that, that God touch, that God moment, I was able to say, all right, how does a, a, a former Navy SEAL, an operator, uh, an instructor from the teams of medic, how do I help children? And I dug into as much research as I could with child psychology, child development, um, education, and really began to understand what kids need and when they need it. And, and the biggest thing for me was that I, I wanted to uh, get to the core root when things really began to change for children uh, from a cognitive level, right, an emotional level. And I think for me it was pretty apparent that those ages, it was, it was that middle school age, more like eight, eight to about 13, man, where the pressures of identity begin to unfold us, our ability to understand cause and effect, reason, logic, all those um, remarkable things that are brand new uh, on top of this like atom neutron bomb of 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 core change right with testosterone and estrogen and all this brain growth man you know what do we need to survive that and what do we need when we're in those real dark times to survive that and what as a as a navy seal did i possess that could help a child. And so, you know, after discovering and really finding some some incredible things that were going on, the big one that really hit me first and foremost was uh, the explosion of childhood obesity, right? With as many options as we have and as, and as easy and low cost as fast food is and all this other reasons that we could go into a whole nother show, which I sure I'm going to try and get my fiance, Jonna, to help talk about a nutritional show. One of these here soon after I interview her in the first one coming up event here pretty soon. Uh, we have to recognize that, man, uh, you know, uh, kids are becoming more sedentary. Kids are become less engaged in athletics. Kids are uh, less apt to go outside and be adventurous and explore the world in these growth periods, right, with their peers to develop that those high functional socialization skills where it teaches them how to uh, adapt physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally. And and that was a big one, childhood obesity. And then the next one for me was this sense that uh, gender differences were really starting to present themselves. For the first time in like 30 years, we started to see girls' teenage suicide was on the climb again, 
right? Now, why was that? Why were girls becoming uh, more challenged emotionally? Was it was it body issues? Was it was it uh, self? Was it uh, uh, what they were seeing, or was it the pressures from their peers to you know to act a certain way, to look a certain way? So we started to see you know this this challenge that's always been an issue, right? But now, really coming back. And then the last one was I found these two cats from Harvard. I forget their name right now. And and they had they had this article written about the concept that by being engaged as much as we were in, in the potential of how much it would increase in the future uh, through our connectivity, through our phones, our computers, our games, our movies, all of this 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 massive influx of of, of information and media that was available. They, they came up with this idea called internet withdrawal syndrome that be, we would prefer we would prefer to be engaged in a way where we weren't challenged with our thoughts where we weren't where we we, we were the desocialization of our of our society began and I'll tell you what since 2006 to now man there's been a million more studies on this a million more uh, uh, scientific studies that have provided the answers to what those original questions were. And the answer is simply yes. It is having a profound effect on the next generations. And so I had a little forethought and I said, well, what are kids going to need, man? You're giving them all these other things to distract them from uh, the very natural order in the process of development, how we interact with each other, how we how we begin to understand the human condition. And that's through our experience, through our relationships, um, most importantly, how we feel about ourselves. Well, I started looking at all the available information that was being put out there for kids, right? What were they watching? What were they reading? What was influencing them? I did this huge study on this for about four and a half months. And I started to realize, man, where are the tools that need to be taught for our kids? Where are, where's the, where's the step-by-step, the how-to for kids to be able to maintain uh, that positive self-worth in this very tumultuous time of growth, right? Cognitively, emotionally, physically, right? These very uncertain times. I mean, I remember when I was a kid, man, I was skinny. I was, I was, I wasn't very muscular. I had acne. I didn't have a lot of confidence with girls. I was, you know, there, I was, you know, I wasn't sure about where I fit in, you know, as we all go through. Luckily I had athletics and that helped out me tremendously because it was a big part of my identity that I felt comfortable and safe. And most importantly, it gave me what? What did something like that give us? Remember back to your childhood. What was the thing that pushed you up, that propped you up, that gave you when you woke up in the morning, you, you said to yourself, man, at least I have this thing right here, right? What gave you the self-confidence to endure whatever you might face as a kid, especially in that age group, that adolescent time period? self-confidence, man. And it's a huge component. And so with that, I was like, all right, well, as a Navy SEAL, man, I'm, I'm one self-confident SOB, right? I'm a person that has the ability to, to run into gunfire potentially, or to jump out of airplanes or face my own death or, you know, do the hard things or be around a bunch of hard charging, freedom fighting, rooting, tooting, barrel chested frog, man, right? You got to have confidence to do that. So I immediately looked at it. When it originally started, man, these concepts that I would develop these missions, these concepts, 
missions, right? Because I'm, you know, that's the way my military mind works. I have a mission and I move forward with it. And so that was the idea is that I would create missions or training blocks, if you would, because I had written a, by then I'd written not a ton of curriculum, but I'd written enough to understand how it works and how it functions, how we process. I'd analyzed our educational system, how that works, right? How you piece together information, how you present it, how you test it, and, and how you retain it. I, I, I got all that stuff. So I, and initially it was like, all right, how many different uh, uh, points of, of, tutelage exists within the arc of my development of my self-confidence from that dark time from college to the fact that I had a trident on my chest. What happened in that time span? And so initially I had something like 24, 25, maybe, maybe 26 ideas, uh, missions that would forge your self-confidence. Now, you know, you think about it, that's too many. That's way down. So I started to see which ones were similar, which ones weren't. And I started pairing it all together. Next thing I know, man, I had these eight core ideas, these concepts of forging self-confidence. Now, I'm sure in the future I'll do another show. I've done them in the past. on it. I'll do another show uh, about those missions for sure. But the, the essence of it was that there would be a process that I could display to children that when they got knocked down in every day, as we do, right? The negative insurgency is going to knock you on your butt every single day of your life in some way, shape, or form. It can be physically, mentally, spiritual, emotionally. It's going to knock you down. You're going to get knocked down, whether it's through rejection or judgment or anger or, or frustration or failure or fear. Your self-confidence is going to take a hit every day, period. End of sentence. I mean, you might have some days much better than others, but the overwhelming majority of human beings around the world through this, this, through this experience of pain and suffering and all these things that go hand in hand with just being alive, your self-confidence is going to take a hit. So that's what I was going to do. So what did I do? I came up with the idea and I had to test it first. So I remember the first time reaching out and I went to the local YMCA and I said, hey, can I teach a class, man? Can I teach a class about self-confidence? And I, I'll teach a physical fitness thing, and I'll also teach these ideas. And they're like, eight-week course for free from a former Navy SEAL. Done. You're in. And I remember I had a, a buddy of mine, uh, a friend who had played football uh, for Bobby Bowden at Florida State. He had, he had a bunch of rings for national championships, and he came in and helped me, man. And it was the funnest thing in the world. And you could just see these kids. And it was just new, and it was exciting. It was the mixture of all these things that they were facing. And it was great. And so what do I got to do? I got to retest it. Now I'm going to try it again on a little bit more challenging. And so I did a program with a, a place called The Haven, which was a foster care home for boys. And that was a one-month program teaching these concepts. And, and that was much more challenging because all these young boys – or young men, I should say, they were in their mid-teens there, uh, you know, they had all been through a tremendous amount. And so it was critical for me to understand that, hey, you know, and what was funny is at the time, I, I was still fresh from my experience as an instructor and SEAL. So, you know, I didn't approach it in most appropriate way, right? I, I didn't have enough empathy in my heart because to be a great instructor to be a, in, in anything you're teaching you got to have some compassion and empathy and you have to have a lot of patience and and that was something as a younger man I lacked and and so although I think the the, the program had an impact it didn't have as long-term impact as I thought at least I don't know maybe one of those guys has gone on maybe they haven't I don't know to to be do something wonderful with their lives I, I just don't know I didn't keep up which is a hit on me for sure all right 
So I run these programs and now, all right, I'm getting it. I'm good. So I start speaking and I spoke to any school that would have me. I remember doing uh, a speech at Addison Meisner with one of my best friends, Jan Lennon, who we're going to have on the show to his kids, his daughter's third grade class. <laughs> and that was awesome. He, he was dressed in a suit and he's the singing lawyer and I'm this crazy camo clad Navy SEAL. We're doing push-ups and jumping and talking about self-confidence. And it was awesome. It was awesome because here I am now taking my effort and putting it towards something that I know we need. I know we have to have this. And and it was really pretty remarkable because there were so many things that presented. The learning curve for me was remarkable because children are they possess this wonderful truth and they will literally you know, you'll you'll think you're going to get something from them and they give you something completely different that's really on point for what you need to learn and how you need to evolve. And, and man, I, I went full, you know, full, you know, charge at, you know, charge towards this, this idea. And it was really quite a blessing too, because I had uh, a corporate, I developed a family friend, corporate sponsor that agreed to pay for any one of my speaking fees at, at any school that was within like a five mile radius of one of their facilities they had. And I remember, man, I had the sponsor. Then I had I had done this local TV access show. I had shot this thing with like 13 or eight episodes of self-confidence. And I had all this content material that I had written. I, I, I had worked on a book. I had a kid's book called Forging Self-Confidence, right? My first book I ever wrote. And man, I, and I, I said, you know, what better do? Let's go approach Palm Beach County School Board. And we'll say, hey, man, I've got this program. It's for free. Just give me the opportunities. Point the schools out. Point the middle schools. And I'll go and I'll do this thing. And let's shape some kids' lives, baby. No, not so much. You see, there's a, a certain fear that exists when a lot, within a lot of educators out there. I, I quickly realized that, you know, we, there's, there's a, a, a profound apprehension to allow a former commando into a kid's school in order to teach them something that hasn't been pre-approved by the powers that be, the, the educators, the professionals that you, of, that you will, the people who really understand what our children need, right? Meanwhile, all this other data is proving the the the, the pummeling uh, graduation rates, the the caving in of all these, the the escalation of diagnosing kids with ADHD or this, that, and the other. You know, uh, medicating all these kids. All this stuff is going on, but yet maybe you know they're not willing to take a risk because I maybe perhaps they thought I was going to go in and I was going to try and get every kid I talked to to sign on the dotted line to become a commando. I don't know. To me, it seems a little little unbelievable. I remember as a kid at Addison Meisner myself seeing these great speeches. I remember this one guy who came in that the show Columbo was based on. And it had a profound impact on me, that sense of service, that sense that it's more important to serve others than serve yourself. And the confidence it takes to stand up for your beliefs and what you care about. Man, that's all I wanted to do. But it didn't happen. Thankfully... You know, I, I did have success in certain places. P people started finding me on the Internet here and there. And, and luckily, I was able to speak to almost about 7,000 kids in a couple years. Um, but in that, I also started getting my first corporate events. Now, uh, initially, as a corporate speaker, man, I'll tell you flat out, 
I sucked. I mean, I was bad, man. I got in there and I gave this long, rambling, kind of uh, incoherent speech about uh, my... I, <laughs> oh, man. The first speech I used to give it was, was all about... The, the context of it was that every every phase of our life, we all basically have to recognize that we you're constantly starting over. You're constantly having to reassess what your actual place is in the the hierarchies of of whatever whatever organization you're in or whatever culture you're part of or subculture or group. Man, you you get to a certain point and then you get knocked down. And and in the military, that's defined by our. <laughs> for me, at least, it was defined by the fact that every time I'd think I'd have an advance forward, next thing I know, I'd be wind up cleaning the latrine. I'd be cleaning the head, man. So I gave this long, ambling, kind of incoherent speech about always having to go back and clean the bathrooms. <laughs> and I've cleaned a lot of bathrooms in my time. And so that was the speech. Did it help organizations or whatever? Nah, not really, probably. Uh, but I, I came to realize that kids and adults are radically different. And you have to come up with ideas that, that people, that your audience can understand. Everybody loves a great SEAL story. In fact, you know, we, we, I bet most of, uh, most of the country is probably nauseous at all the SEAL stories, all the books, all the TV shows, all the podcasts. Yep, I'm one of those guys. Uh, hopefully I'm doing it a little bit differently. Uh, at least I feel like I am. Um, but everybody, you know, everybody loves a great story. And, and so I, I tried to recognize how to take those stories and make them fit to the audience. And I, and I was really coming along pretty good. And then all of a sudden, whambo, wham, bam, whambo, the economic collapse happened and frog logic had to be put on, on <laughs> indefinite leave at that point. Right. I had no idea. I had to go earn a living. I couldn't afford, no school was paying me. Nobody could afford hiring any, unless you were the King Tony Robbins himself, you were not you know, you were not getting any paid speaking gigs, man, at all. And so, fortunately for me, I had a particular skill set of teaching and training, tactical combat, casualty care, and guns and bombs and all that stuff. And so I was very fortunate at that time uh, to go to work for the Central Intelligence Agency. And for two years, I trained case officers how to uh, uh, better survive and integrate with special operations units down downrange. Um, and then ultimately went on to deploy with them. Now, the crazy thing about all that for me in the evolution of frog logic, this was a pivotal time because what happened was, you know, and I've told this story on a couple different occasions where, you know, my first day out on the range with these cases, these very brilliant people from all walks of life, very highly intelligent, all trained to do this incredible mission of collecting information that protects our, you know, our, our strategic interests around the world. And this is pivotal stuff. This is critical stuff. These are not games that these individuals are playing. And so, but I was pretty arrogant at the time and thought, well, I'm going to teach you. You think you're Jason Bourne. I'm going to show you how to be Jason Bourne. <laughs> But the reality is, man, that's not what they do, right? What they do is they have profound insight on what makes us tick, what makes humans tick, why we think certain things, what inspires us, what motivates us, 
right? And there's some really phenomenal books. I used to have one right over there about the, the five main thing that motivates uh, an asset to, to talk or to give information, right? And it's a really amazing, great book written by a guy that was in the agency for like 40 years or something like that. And, and so very quickly with the help of, of Tonto, Mr. Chris Pronto, I, I was able to recognize it's not about me and what I feel as an instructor. It's about what they know and what they need and how I can nurture that. And very quickly I began to understand, hey, I need to understand these people. I need to understand what it is they do, how they do it, and what it means. And it was a big shift in my consciousness. It was a big shift in my approach, my my training philosophy, uh, my my uh, my cognitive ability shifted, right? Because I began to hear these insights from these very brilliant people. And 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 if you're fortunate enough to meet somebody in your life that's really smart and has a lot of experience dealing with uh, the extremes within the human condition, right? Meeting with senior ranking members of Al-Qaeda or the Taliban or foreign governments and, and, and getting them uh, in some capacity to trust you, develop a rapport with them, develop a rapport, trust you, and then share top, top secret information with you that potentially improves our position in the world, that's powerful. So these people began to have some confidence in me because I cared. I was compassionate. I had, I had empathy for what it is they did and how they did it. And I wasn't forcing what I knew down their throats. I said, hey, here's my information. Let me help you help you and what your work environment looks like and how it works. And so that was really where the next level of, of frog logic began, which was the concept of team life, right? Right? What does it mean to live the team life? Think about it in your life. When you think about team, is it a, is it a constricted or a group of people that has one singular uh, a focus, a goal, an orientation, and you, 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 you move, you, you transition from one group to the next group to the next group? Or is it really about you and your perspective, perspective on team orientation? What are the things you need to do in order to be a better team member? And that's one thing that we really drill down in the SEAL teams is, is teaching individuals, hey, this is not about you. It's about the success of the team. And so as I began to analyze that process, both what I learned, you know, at, in the SEAL teams, what I learned at Blackwater as an instructor, what I certainly was learning with the agency and what I was studying and what I was reading about teams, because I began this immense research into what are the greatest teams in history? What are the greatest sports teams? What are the greatest military teams? What are the greatest political teams? What are the greatest uh, sociological teams? What are the greatest artist groups, what are they? and I really began to dissect that substantially and, and began to recognize that there's some very distinct concepts that we all need to understand and how to be a better teammate to live a better team life. And that's where it was born, through that experience. Now, very quickly after that, I said, hey, man, I, I, you know, I still had that, I still had that haunting guilt from uh, the, the, the effort that all my friends from the teams had put forth. 
They were still operating. They were still deploying. They were still doing the deed. They were still serving the country. And I always felt this big guilt I had punched out early for my own selfishness, my own fears, right? And I said, man, I, I got to put my money where my mouth is. And so I had the great fortune of, of, of running into a, an old buddy, uh, an old teammate from the teams, and, and who was the head recruiter at the time and said, hey, come on board. We'd love to have you. So I went on board and started deploying for the next two years overseas in high threat areas with the agency. And really, that's where I began to shift kind of this focus on what frog logic was, because now I was I was having to take these new concepts, these new ideas of self-confidence and team and apply them in a very real world scenario. Right. A very high threat, high risk, a, a scenario that elicits a, a profound amount of fear day in and day out. So I began to evaluate all of that again. I began to have to look at these core definitions that I thought were impervious to change and recognize that as the new place I was in, the new identity, the new growth, I had to evolve in my definitions and ideas as well too, right? So it was in my second year deployment that I said, all right, I, I've got to redefine these. And this time I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to start to look for adults. So I began writing my first adult book, which is the Forging Self-Confidence book that's out there. You can find it on, on our website, on Amazon. You can find it. Uh, I've got the audio book that I read on, on Audible Books. You'll love that. Check me. Check it out. Forging Self-Confidence, read by yours truly. Check it out. You'll dig that. A big boost for your self-confidence. So I started writing that book as I was deploying overseas and coming home. Now, in all that time, I'd gotten married. I'd had my first child. Uh, I'd, I'd been born again. I was a, a new Christian. So everything was being flipped on its head. My entire perspective of existence was really changing. And I was still rooted and hanging on to this, this old style mentality of, of being an operator. But yet I was really evolving beyond that and starting to refine, you know, retool this, this new purpose I had in life. Now, during one of that final year, the Bin Laden raid happened, and and it was one of the greatest moments in, in, in I think, our country's history, in particular for our unit, particularly for some good friends of mine, people I knew personally that were involved in that, as well as not only them, uh, involvement from other folks I knew doing other things that were part of that whole thing. Man, it was, it was a, a beautiful moment for me. Um, and for, but I also was a moment I realized, all right, you know, I, I think my time's coming to an end in all of this. And, and it was, it was pronounced by the fact that that summer, and I had put out some frog logic videos and I was, I just got bombarded with requests. Hey, come speak to our company, right? We want to have you. We want to see what your insights are all about. And that hit me. And I actually turned like down by 20 events that summer. Because I was deployed. And when I got back, I started to realize, man, maybe this is what my calling is. Maybe, you know, that time of my life is over. Right. And thankfully, uh, you know, my ex said, listen, after my final deployment in the fall of 2011, she said, listen, if you go back again, we're done. Because there was a part of me that was still wanting to go deeper to really get back in and alleviate the pain I'd experienced from from my first deployment to Afghanistan. And, but I, I chose, 
I chose my family over myself in that moment. And so I stopped. And thank God I did because it shifted the entirety of my life. It was a very difficult decision. It was very uh, challenging to give it up, to hang, officially hang up my bulletproof vest and say, I'm done. That part of my life is over. And now it's time for me to focus on this next phase, this, this more important phase to me, this phase where I can begin to take all these experiences and somehow try and prepare people for their own combat of life to help them better face the negative insurgency at its core and understanding themselves. And so I had had the self-confidence. I had team life concept. And, and luckily, out of the blue, as I was praying on what would happen next, a friend of mine from the teams I'd gone through training with calls me up. Kyle, I love you, brother. I always have. I always will. He says, hey, man, yo, Rut, are, are you still speaking? I'm like, hell yeah, I am. And he's like, do you suck? <laughs> and I said to him, I said, man, uh, I don't know, but I, I certainly will entertain this audience for you. And he was so gracious, and so he took a risk. He's, so in his organization, they use speakers all the time. And he goes, man, if you're any good, I'll bring you in. If you're good, then my best friends, my four buddies will use you, and uh, then their friends will use you, and who knows. And that year alone, I did about 30 events for that organization, Pioneer Investments, man. And, and Laura and and... And everybody over at Pioneer, I can't thank you enough. Um, you gave me my start. You you had faith and confidence at, at exposing your clientele to me. And I was able to get out there and really begin the process of getting better at what it is I do for a living, which is to motivate people to be better, to be better contributors to not only themselves, but also their teams, whatever those teams might be, personally, professionally. And man, that first year was huge. Like I said, I was speaking nonstop and, and really beginning to evolve uh, these concepts. And I had these very good dialed-in speeches about self-confidence with eight missions, team life with four missions. And within that, though, this first year, I started getting, I started getting hit all the time. Every time I'd go out, people would be like, hey, man, were you afraid were you afraid? And, you know, before I, you know, I'd puff my chest. I'd be afraid. What are you talking about, afraid? I ain't afraid of nothing. No man, no bullet, nothing. That's all a load of malarkey, man. Hell yeah, I was afraid. Petrified. Right? But you learn to compartmentalize it through great training. You bury that stuff down deep, but it's still the fear was there. And so I began to ask, well, why do you want to know? And. And, and it was like people wanted to understand how you begin to control that fear or utilize it or whatever. And that was like this giant, like huge, boom, went off this light over my head. And I, and I love those moments that we have where that light goes off, right? Because it's, it's, it's an opportunity for us to really begin diving in to understand the human condition. And that's powerful, powerful thing, man. Right? And now it's critical for us as we begin to evaluate that, that human condition and what it means and what it is and, and, and how it's going to affect us. Now, one of the things that I, I quickly had to do is I had to, I had to begin to understand deeper, right? 
And so I went out and I started with, all right, what is the human condition? And here's a definition that I pulled off, right? The human condition encompasses the unique features of being human. It can be described as the unalterable part of humanity that is inherent and innate to human beings and not dependent on factors such as gender, race, culture, or class. It includes concerns as the such concern concerns such as the meaning of life, right? The search for gratification, the sense of curiosity, the inevitability of isolation, and the awareness in, of the inescapability of death and the ultimate pursuit of happiness or purpose. The human condition is the subject of such fields of study as philosophy, theology, sociology, psychology, anthropology, demographics, evolutionary biology, cultural studies, sociobiology, and many, 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 many more. This is a big thing to contemplate. And what is the number one thing that inhibits us from understanding the totality of our own unique human condition as it relates to the greater good, the greater collective, if you will? And that is our fear. And I realized, man, I, I didn't know a lot about fear. I, I know a lot about what it felt like to experience fear. Certainly. Try driving around a countryside that has 25 million landmines. See if you're going to have the pucker factor right there. Right? Try, you know, getting shot at. You know, try jumping out of an airplane or diving under a foreign thing or whatever it might be. Trying to live up to the expectations of other phenomenal human beings around you that are constantly eva evaluating whether or not you have what it takes to stand side by side with them. Fear. So I began to research fear, man. Where does it come from? What is it? The first and foremost, when you start looking up, it's easy to find, is biological, man. We're wired. We're hardwired for fear. Right? The amygdalas, the limbic system. Without that, our species would not be where it's at. And it's part of the fight or flight. That's what we know. But, you know, fear, how do you define it? Do you understand your own fear? And once again, man, I, you know, I started looking into this. And, and every culture throughout history that has written anything down has evaluated fear in some capacity. And so where do you go? Where do you begin to you know, think about fear? Where do you begin to analyze fear in such a way that it begins to affect you vividly? And one of those spaces for me was was a book I read by Viktor Frankl, Man's Search for Meaning. And that was a big shift for me, along with the New Testament, right? right? And first with Man's Search for Meaning about this, this, uh, this Austrian uh, psychiatrist, Viktor Frankl, who was captured by the Nazi Germany and sent to Auschwitz and two other consecrate camps, tracing camps, lost his entire family and was, all, was on the precipice of suicide when he came up with this profound realization that you know, our dignity does not rest in, in, in other people's control. Our dignity is rooted in our ability to love ourselves and love others. Nobody can strip you from that. Nobody. And as long as you're rooted in that, you'll be able to uh, learn to understand your fear. And most importantly with that, what I began to realize as I found another book and another book and another study and another, and another uh, story someone told me is that fear is a part of us and it's not going anywhere. 
It's we're wired for it. We've been taught it our whole lives. And it's not going anywhere. And thank God. But it will defeat you. It will stop you. It will inhibit you from succeeding in what you want to succeed, and especially when your environments are hard, when they're tumultuous and challenging and, the, and they're difficult. Your fear will play a major role in your inability to move forward and to succeed at a level that is appropriate for the effort you put forth. And so when I finally was able to define fear, and this is how I define it, fear is a a physiological reality and a learned comfort zone behavioral pattern induced by perceived and real threats which cause most human beings to respond in a variety of deliberately negative, physical, mental, and spiritual ways. It causes people to distort reality, inhibit action, manipulate logic, and stall progress. If left unchecked, fear can cause different forms of paralysis and disrupt all critical aspects of life needed to succeed. Man, so what, in essence, is the only thing you can do with fear? You can embrace it. And once you learn how to embrace it, it can become the most powerful tool for motivation that you've ever experienced in your life. In fact, all the never quit, most of the never quit stories you know, that I interviewed, and these were insane stories over that three-year period, man, some of the most incredible stories on the planet. One of the components that these people utilize is their ability to, to understand what they're afraid of, capture that understanding, flip it around into positivity, and drive them forward in these uh, miraculous feats. They were able to embrace their fear. And that's a powerful thing, man. So the embrace fear concept was born in frog logic, which was awesome. You know, so now I'm working on, I have these three different speech topics and I'm giving these things all the time and I'm, you know, embrace fear has five missions and, and man, I, you know, I, I, it's really starting to develop and, and in this whole time, man, I'm doing YouTube videos. I'm trying to put out as much content as I can, um, you know, I'm, you know, all these little how-to videos, I'm doing all these concepts, and then I get up the wild, you know, hair starts, and in 2013, you know, I had heard about these, these online radio shows that were coming out, so, aha, what's a good way to deliver my message, to deliver frog logic to the masses? I found blogtalkradio.com, and I started Navy SEAL Radio, man, and it was awesome awesome. I had so much fun doing that. It was a live Saturday morning show. Man, mind you, my, of course my family didn't dig it. I was gone every Saturday morning for about four hours, but it was a great experience. I learned how to talk on this sucker. I learned how to interview people. I learned how to do an outline for a show. I learned how to film and edit a show, man. And it was this wonderful, amazing experience, man. I think I did about 94 shows. I, I was averaging almost 25,000 downloads per show back then. Um, I had one day, I had a 100,000-day download. It was incredible, and this was a long time ago. And it was so rewarding, man, because I was getting this very positive feedback. And people were saying, hey, we've never looked at this stuff in this way. Thank you. Man, and that type of affirmation is wonderful. It validates you know, these this immense amount of time and effort I've put into you know, kind of 
figuring out what Frog Logic was, this Navy SEAL motivational performance coaching program that helps people from 8 to 80. And it was a wonderful, amazing, amazing experience, man. I was speaking constantly. I was doing, man, I had one year where I think I had almost 70 events in a year. I was doing a show every weekend. I, 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 was, I was putting out a ton of videos. It was just this explosion of creativity in me. And it was really amazing. And I feel so fortunate and blessed. Uh, I had a great, great assistance from people. Brian Colt, man, great artist out there. Check him out online on Instagram. A wonderful artist was helping me. I had, you know, Cat at, at Frog Logic who was helping me book and, and do all these with my clients. And my dad was helping me with intellectual property as a lawyer. And, and man, it was just this wonderful experience to be building this business because, in and amongst all these, this period of time, I had started and, and pretty much failed in about five other businesses. <laughs> That's right. Failed miserably at all these other businesses, man. It was, it was bad. And, I, and with all those failures and the success of What Frog Logic, I, 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 I was confident that this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And thank God for it, right? Thank God for finding my purpose. All right, before we go on, I want to jump in and, and just and, and talk for a couple minutes about, about Onnit's alpha brain, right? Now, you know, again, I said in the last show, you know, how I met Aubrey and how we connected and his incredible, you know, ability to identify and, and, and access other people that are on this search, on this journey for, understanding the human condition, what he calls optimization, right? To own the day, right? To live your best life, to design your life every day. And he's got this wonderful company called on it. And you know, one of their, 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 their anchor product is, is alpha brain. And this is, this is just, man, I remember after my first experience taking it, it was, it was in some contexts, man, it was the extra little push my brain needed. It, 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 it was like it is that that switch that was, you know, that that back of the laundry room switch that you're not quite sure what it does back there. And it's tucked around a corner and it's got some of the lint buildup from the offshoot of the dryer around it and all this. And you're not really sure what it does, but you flip that switch and then all of a sudden all the lights in the place come on. Everything's working. It's clear as day. That's what kind of alpha brain was for me, man. And it was awesome. And, and so it became a regular part of my routine. I wake up in the morning. I kind of shuffle out of bed with my bad back and neck. And I, I go in. Uh, I, I, I drink. I, you know, I take out some alpha brain. I eat a little gummy and, and uh, a CDB gummy. And, man, I, like that's the start of my day. Chug a glass of water and I'm off to the races. And, and this product, I mean, it really is uh, a pretty amazing concept, right? It's all, you know, there, there's nothing in here that is going to uh, uh, hammer you. It's gluten-free. It's caffeine-free. Um, you know, he, he worked years on trying to, uh, the clinical trials, like literally here, two clinical trials on healthy people conducted by the Boston Center for Memory uh, showed improvements in memory and focus, man. So there, there's hardcore scientific data that supports this product that it actually works, man. Um, 
you know, it says adults as a everybody got to put the dietary supplement. Take two capsules daily, preferably with a light meal. Uh, consult with a medical doctor and see what happens, man. And I tell you, it's been phenomenal for me. If it, you know, I just give it a shot. Go over to Onnit. That's Onnit.com. There's two ends. It's O N N I T. Go over to Onnit.com. Search Alpha Brain. It should pop right up right in the beginning. All right. Order it. Tell them I sent you over there. Right. Order it and and liter- and you know tell them Frog Logic and and order it and you'll see, you'll see. Give it a shot. It'll give you that li- that that clarity you're looking for. It'll give you that focus, that 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 ability, that cognition. Right. It's almost like it, it it clears out all the gears, so to speak. And and so I'm um, listen. Th- this has been a wonderful relationship, not only with Aubrey personally. Um, I, I really love the path he's on. I love the products. I use uh, so many of their products. I use the gut health. We'll talk about that again. I, I use their proteins, their power foods. I use all their butters. Uh, and not just me, my entire family, right? The kids don't use the Alf brain and all those things. But, you know, we, we make protein shakes and the fat butters and, and all this, you know, power foods. My fiance likes it. But for me personally, uh, as a man that suffered from uh, uh, a bunch of uh, uh, concussions, uh, a bunch of blasts, a bunch of a bunch of hits to the face, um, Alpha Brain, man, it's a great way to start my day. So go check them out at onit.com. Uh, tell them Frog Logic sent you and check it out. All right, next one I just want to tell you about, man, is Wise Food, why or Wise Company. Next one I want to tell you about is Wise Company, man. This is um, I, I don't know if anybody else is like me, but you know, I, I've spent a grand portion of my adult life learning how to be prepared for the worst possible scenario imaginable, right? Whether it's combat or some, you know, mostly combat. And a component you begin to realize is, man, when it all goes to hell, what, what are the things you gotta have, right? And the number one thing aside from water is food. If you don't have any food, Forget it. You're done. And and trust me, as a guy that's eaten MREs in every possible way, shape, or form you can possibly consume an MRE, uh, I'm telling you, there weren't a lot of great choices out on the market. Now, thankfully, uh, through sheer luck, uh, uh, my buddy uh, was able to uh, get involved with this organization, and he's a new CEO, and reached out and said, hey, man, I'd love for you to take a look at what we got going on over here. So I went over, went out there to Salt Lake City, met with him and his team, ate the products, checked out the, 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 everything they had to offer from their camping meals, which are I, by far, I'm saying, the best that are on the market. I love these, these meals. They're simple, easy to eat, easy to pack. Uh, they're great when you're out hiking with your friends or you're going on a long-term hike. They're, they're, they're amazing, all right? They're really phenomenal. Uh, and even their long-term, they're prepper-style buckets, right? And I had, I, had, I had had three months' worth of food. Now I increased the size of my family, so I had to double up. So I tried all their stuff, all their products. I looked at their emergency packs, everything. And I'm telling you, this company's legit. It's the, you know, for, for long-lasting freeze-dried food that's made in America— that's uh, you know got real uh, a lot of real meat products it's it's chef the, i got to meet some of the guys that they came in that they created the the um 
the meals, so they taste great. They're, it's not like those dead meals you'll eat, you know, where you, you stick that plastic spoon in and you eat it, and it's almost like you're you're chewing on a, a wet paste, right? Your noodles and, and the meat that's in there, it feels like a, a old soggy cardboard and maybe like a, a, a chunk of dead tissue. <laughs> oh, that's just twisted. I know, but what are you going to do? So Wise, Wise, man, they offer great taste and long-lasting food that I'm telling you, the biggest thing it gives you is peace of mind, man. Because now I live in a hurricane state. I live in, you know, the, the probability of that is always possible from, from June to November. And we've had some doozies in the past. I mean, not just that. Look at all the wildfires. Look at the flooding we've had around the country. Look at the hurricanes. Look at the earthquakes. I mean, California is shaking literally every day right now. Ask yourself. It's simple. Are you prepared? And if you aren't, where are you going to go to get prepared? Not just you, but your family. Right? I have four daughters now. And I have to think about if we have to boogie out, if we have to, to bug out, you know, what's going in the car? The essentials, right? Weapons, my guns, my bullets, right? Backpacks, you know, go bags, clothing, you know, all the things. And then guess what? Right there next to all that is our wise food buckets and emergency packs, man. Now, again, if you're not prepared, you have to look, take a good, hard, honest look at yourself and say, hey, man, is it worth spending the money so I have some peace of mind that I'll be prepared if the proverbial blank hits the fan. Are you prepared? So go over wisefoodstorage.com. That's wisefoodstorage.com. Town Frog Logic sent you, right? Check out. Go get your stuff. Get your three month. Get your get your three day. Get your one month. Get your three month. Hell, get your one year package. That's the doozy. You get one year, man, you don't got to worry about it. You feed yourself and all your neighbors until the lights come back in, trucks start resupplying the supermarkets, gas stations have gas. You'll be there. You'll be good to go because you'll have enough food for the people that you love most, and you'll have peace of mind. So be ready. Be wise. Wisefoodstorage.com. All right. Woo. All right. Navy SEAL radio, right? After Navy SEAL Radio, I went in, I, I, I ran into Melanie Marcus at a a, a, a um, charity softball tournament, which they still got put on. They're all over. They're in Texas, man. Big, huge charity. Uh, uh, my, uh, go check these things out. They're really amazing. So next thing you know. I'm doing Navy SEAL Radio. I get approached by Melanie Marcus or Melanie at a, at a, at a charity softball event I was at in Texas, great charity, and um, Tim Clune, and um, she says, hey, we want to do a podcast with you. And I was like, whoa, that's epic. Let's do this. Started TNQP. We did that for three and a half years, man. Three and a half years, put my heart and soul into that. And again, like I told you, we interviewed some of the most incredible people on the planet, man. Laird Hamilton. God, I love the Laird Show. Tim Kennedy, love Tim's show. Uh, Charlie Plum was awesome. Um, Kwame, you know, the guy was wrongfully imprim imprisoned. Uh, 
Jeez, the list just goes on. Wes Whitlock, uh, Sean Ryan, Rob O'Neill. I mean, we in in we literally interviewed some of the most profound people that are out there today and told their great never quit stories. It was such a Dustin Pedroian. <laughs> it was awesome, man. Now, in that time, concurrently, I began to recognize that Frog Logic was getting much more deeper and profound because what I was hearing in these stories was something that was really powerful. All these people were so focused and determined because they had clarity in what their purpose was, right? When you spend 30-some-odd years trying to swim from Cuba to Florida and you do it at 64 years old, you spend 117 hours in the water, you know what your purpose is. And for me, that was powerful. It was undeniable, these focus. You talk to Charlie Pump, 2,109 days in the Hanoi Hilton. What was his purpose? To survive and to help his brothers in arms survive. What's your purpose? What's my purpose? Hell, what does purpose mean? So once again, I had to figure this stuff out. So where do you start? <laughs> a purpose-driven life. First book I read. And holy cow, knocked me on my butt. Because when you start to put your context of why you know, you're on this planet and what, what purpose do you serve, and you look, think about it from this way, that your purpose is to deliver and serve other people from the love of your heart. That's pretty heavy stuff. Now, it's hard for us to do that, isn't it? Because, you know, maybe the, the, the organizations or groups or individually, we're not prepared for that. We're too afraid to serve others instead of ourselves. We're a very self-serving society. I mean, it's easy just to look around. They're also, don't get me wrong, man, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an optimist, man. I believe in the positivity of the human condition, right? That's what I preach day in and day out. That's what I want you to hear in Frog Logic, is that even in the midst of this combat of life, the negative insurgency pounding the holy living snot out of you day in and day out, there's a place to be positive too. And that lies within the core root of what you believe your purpose is. So one of the things you do when you're trying to define all these things, you start asking people, hey, what's your purpose, man? Oh, it's easy. I want to be a good person. Oh, I want to be a good father. Oh, I want to be good, good teammate. Oh, that's good. How do you do that? And then the conversation would stop abruptly. And people didn't know. And that scared me. And then I started to think about my own life. I had no idea, 22 years old, what my purpose was. Hell, I didn't even know at 32. I didn't know at 42. Just now, at turning 47 a couple weeks ago, I'm just now figuring out what the potential of my grand purpose might be. But man, wouldn't it be nice to have a pathway for that, to understand that? So... I created my next speech, which the next concept within Frog Logic, which was to live with purpose and how we go about figuring out what that is. Uh, you know, at the same time, a little bit after that, I started to recognize that there, the concept of culture was changing radically around us. You know, and you ask yourself, what is culture? What are the cultures you come from? What are the subcultures? 
right? What do you, what cultures inspire you? And then how, when you are a part of a team, how do you develop great culture? Does it just happen because? Hell no, man. And, 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 but everybody wants to have great culture. And I started getting hit up when I do all these training sessions with corporate groups or with, with collegiate teams or professional teams or whatever. They're like, Hey, rut, man, how do we develop great culture? And I said, that's a great idea. I, I, let's go get some rubber boats. Let's get a spray hose with uh, some freezing cold water, a bunch of sand. And I'm going to make you miserable for six straight months, or in my case, 15. I'm going to make you miserable. And that should take care of developing the great culture. You know, and you get the HR people literally look at you like you have a third eye coming out of your head. And it doesn't work that way. It only works that way in one specific environment. And that's SEAL training. So... Back at it. How do we develop great culture? Again, digging back in to all the different teams that exist out there, right? How do you evaluate? And one of the most important ways you need to evaluate is what amount of pain is your team willing to endure collectively? How much pain can be applied, positive or negative? How much pain can your team endure before people crack. And that's what I began to found were the answers, man. You know, and team culture. And it was really profound because a lot of amazing thing was, was it just the clarity with which I was starting to see things was I felt very blessed to experience this. What is great culture? And how do we cultivate it? How do we build it? What influences it? What detracts from it? And a big part of it is pain and our ability and willingness to experience pain, to discover truth and through awakenings and submissions and failures in order to be able to move to a point of, of truth and sacrifice and that we truly love being a part of these teams and these cultures. So team culture was born. Right? Man, it was, it was a really amazing time from the fall of 2011 until about two years ago, all of this happened, this explosion, this, this, these, these recognitions, these realities. Now, I like to pin it on, on me really digging into my faith as well, too, and understanding what Christ wants from us, right? To love God above others and to love your neighbor as you love yourself. So it's pretty simple, man. You know, granted, uh, in, in all religions, you know, the, the further away it gets from the core root meaning of it, the more distorted it becomes, man. So I go back to those Gospels, and I read those, and I read what Christ tells me to do. And so I pray and start praying hard, man. Let me live that apostolic life. Let me be a servant for what Christ's Word is about, and that's the purveyance of love. Now, granted, I am not—man, <laughs> I got a long way to go till I get really good at that, but I'm trying— and what I quickly realized, because I went through a very difficult time, I went through a very hard divorce, very challenging time. My ex and I came to the realization we weren't fit for each other. And so we went through a difficult time. And most importantly, it was very difficult for me because of my children and what that meant. And I was a failure. And my definition and concept of love was, was wrong. And so when you're in that crash, when you're in the free fall state, what happens? 
you start grasping at things and you, you're searching for something to hold on to these these core root ideas. You're, you're you're searching for hoping that that the cornerstone of your your life doesn't crumble in on everything else that's falling on top of you. But what is that cornerstone in your life? What is the thing that's unshakable, that's unbreakable, the thing that won't crumble under the that application of pain the chiseling away the 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 destructive nature of the negative insurgency what it what holds together and for me it was my faith in the fact that love is the strongest thing but i had to redefine it and thank God I had made a considerable investment in, in some really amazing people. And so I started to reach out to ask them what love meant to them. What does it mean to you? And are you willing to go out to 5, 10, 15, 20 of your f- close friends? If you have, you're blessed to have that many. Are you going to ask them, hey, what does love mean to you? What is the definition of it? And do you think I live with love? Do you feel love from me? And it was this radical change in my life. And I realized I didn't know what the definition of love was. And so that changed. Through this wonderful divorce tribe, some amazing human beings, Sean and Max and Maggie and... Rebecca and and David and my parents especially they helped me put the pieces back together and begin to refine it and through them I was able to understand and begin to search for new definitions of things that were critical in our ass and our lives in order to mitigate the profound nature the heaviness of that combat of life the heaviness of suffering we all must endure and those key components to all that is are you able to forgive yourself? Are you able to forgive others? To relieve yourself of anger and frustration because it's not the way you had imagined it to be. It's not, it's not working out as you saw it to work out. It's changing. You can't control it. And are you willing to adjust how you judge the situation? More importantly, how you judge others. To really turn back upon yourself and to judge yourself with a, a clear perspective, an objective rationale, a self-evaluation that enables you to be develop a new style, to be reborn in the blessings of what true love is all about. And through some wonderful people and experiences, I would begin to do that. And so through that, I began to redefine how I love myself. I began to redefine how I love Christ and God. I began to redefine how I love my children. Right? I had this new vision for how I wanted to live and what, what, what to anchor all of frog logic in. Right? To teach people not only to endure life's hardships, but to love in the midst of life's hardships. To love the beauty of life in the midst of life's hardships. In fact, to love life so much that the hardships start losing the power of their identity in your life. That they become uh, minimized, if you will. And these other core ideas take hold and they root and they flower and they, 
and they bloom, right? And that's the power of what I'm trying to do with my life and what frog logic represents. And so essentially now with the very definitive help from my new fiance who's taught me more about love in the year and a half we've been together than I could have ever dreamed in my whole life and from the love of her daughters and love of my daughters and my family and friends and I'm bringing frog logic back now in a new way a new concept a new idea though it's rooted in these core concepts right for sure of embracing fear, forging self-confidence, living the team life, living with purpose and establishing great team culture. Yeah, it's rooted in there, but it's it's really, it's anchored, right? There's giant anchors, right? You drop it in, in the abyss of the unknown, you drop this anchor of love in there and you let it settle in and then you weather the storm knowing that no matter what, Nobody can take that love away from you. Nobody. No experience, no person especially. Nothing can strip you of the power of love. So, what is frog logic, man? Man, I, I'm a motivational speaker. And I, I, I give a speech about frog logic. I give a speech about embracing fear, forging self-confidence, living the team life, living with purpose and team culture. And I'm developing uh, future talks right now about the pathway of pain and what it means. I'm also developing a talk about the never quit mindset from what I learned on the show. Right? I'm also incorporating all these concepts into my performance coaching, my motivational performance coaching. And this has been an, an unbelievable thing that's happened for me in my life, man, to experience these things. I've been, you know, I, I, it started with the Miami Dolphins. And the next thing you know, I was, I was working, all of a sudden I found myself working with the University of Pennsylvania football team. And in my first two years with them, they won two national or Ivy League championships. And from there, all of a sudden, Next thing you know, through a buddy of mine, Todd, uh, I'm working with the or uh, who, who uh, the USTA. Uh, they were originally in Boca. They found me. They liked the speech, and now I'm working with their tennis players and their pro players and their amateurs and their program and their coaches, trying to teach them these core concepts of frog logic. Hell, I worked with a couple UFC fighters, <laughs> uh, uh, and then uh, next thing you know, I'm with Oregon State Beavers in 2018. In this past year. In 2018, the work we did was a, a small component of their ability to win the Collegiate World Series, which I'm so proud of those boys. They did amazing. We cultivated this great leadership development concept for them that they took and ran with. Next thing you know, they won a World Series championship. But by far, one of the greatest accomplishments that I, I've had and that I feel most proud of is the work I was able to do with the Boston Red Sox. Now, it started kind of in this random way. My, my close friend now, Mike uh, Rickard, who is the director of national scouting, uh, Mr. Dombrowski was new and they needed a speaker. And so, you know, Dave had gone and seen the Patriot tour and they thought they'd get Marcus and Marcus was booked, I think. And so they called the Team Never Quit Speakers Bureau and and the person who was running it knew that I was a former athlete and said, hey, you know, hey, let me ask this other guy. So they called me. They're like, hey, Rut, 
we've got this job. It's a little less than what you normally get. Would you be willing? I said, who is it? They're like Boston Red Sox. And I go, how much should I pay you? <laughs> so the deal is, man, I, I got this incredible opportunity to talk to the organization first. And I remember I gave my team life talk. And I remember sitting in the front and, and John Farrell was sitting there and it hit him so hard because he'd gone through some cancer the year before and really had his team support him with Tori Lovello and all these other wonderful people that came out of Woodwork to, to be there for him. You know, it really hit him. And so he and Dave got together and they invited me to come speak to the team, which I did and went and talked. And, man, it was just a wonderful experience. Here I am. There's Big Poppy over here and Dustin over here and all these incredible amazing players and Mookie and Benny and man it was just phenomenal so I spoke to the team and I thought that was it hoo ya. well following year they asked me back I did a, a couple speeches and then later on in the season I got to go give them a speech when they played the Yankees in the season then I was there in the playoffs for their final game against Houston I'm like holy cow this is I got to pinch myself it was a blessing and then man out of the blue they're like hey we really want to up your role with the team. And it was profound. I went and met because AC had come in and they had let John go and AC came in or Alex and Cora and I met with him and Laz Gutierrez, their uh, mental skills coach. Great, both great, great guys and sat down and were like, hey, this is, and I remember them, what do you think we need to do? And I said, the biggest thing is we need to t t teach these young players how to move into a, a greater sense of self-confidence, to have a greater impact on the team life and to create a, a, a more focused collective purpose for the team, right, to really enhance them. And then to take the, some senior players and, and help inspire them to, to mentor and teach, to spread out the, the love, if you will. And I had the great fortune to work with that team for four different times, four different series away, uh, all away series, and met with them in different places around the country, and and it was beautiful. And that team went on to be one of the greatest teams in Boston Red Sox history, and they won a World Series championship in, in 2018. And, man, Brock all those guys and Chris and David and Mitch man all these wonderful human beings and everybody in the organization especially Tommy man Jack everybody welcomed me with open arms and it was one of the most empower empowering and impactful experiences of my entire life and I feel so blessed by God that I was able to play this teeny little small role and this grand collective effort of what they were able to accomplish, these brilliant athletes and brilliant coaches and this amazing organization that really, truly cares about everybody involved. And I just, every time I stop and, and ponder and think about it, I feel so blessed to have been part of it. So thank you, Boston Red Sox. Thank you, Mr. Dombrowski. Thank you, AC. Thank you, Laz. Thank you, Mike. And thank you to all the players and for allowing me to participate and to experience this grand moment in time and history and athletics. I just can't thank you enough. Uh, so for performance coaching, I do that. Uh, I also I'm, I'm a writer, right? I, we own a little small. I publish all my own stuff called Leadline Publishing. I've got the kids' book. I've got uh, another kids' book uh, called Doc Frog. 
uh, PT. I've created this uh, anthropomorphic uh, character, uh, a half man, half frog, who teaches kids these 12 basic exercises, lower, upper body, lower body, and, and abdominals, and then, and then a little cardio. Uh, you check it out. Great for kids in that middle in that middle school age, right? You do the workouts with your kids. Creates great opportunities to talk about motivation. Uh, we're also uh, I, I wrote the adult book, and we're getting ready to release some new kids book, a new kids book about anti bullying, another Doc Frog book. We're going to release a daily dose book. Uh, <laughs> man, the daily dose of Frog Logic. So, I, I for I don't know four or five years. I've been trying to every morning come up and release just some positive to the people who are paying attention to Frog Logic, Instagram, Facebook, all these places, and would write. And, and really, in the last two and a half years, maybe three, I decided to add kind of my artistic flair to it, really dig into the human condition. And man, the response has been phenomenal, and I can't thank you enough. And there's been this massive calling from everybody, hey, please release a devotional style book of, of your doses. So we're getting ready to release that here soon. Uh, and I'm, and I'm working on, uh, the next adult book, which will be the team life book. And we're hoping to have that done here in the next two, two or month, two months or so. And after that, I'll do the embrace fear, the live with purpose and so on and so forth. So stand by. We also got, I got great, you know, merchandise, t-shirts, hats, books. Uh, we're getting ready to do new t-shirts, hoodies, beanies, coins, patches, stickers, mugs, some limited edition runs on my tiger stripe shorts with the frog and brain on them. Uh, my board shorts that everybody comments. We're going to release some, uh, some polos with the embroidery on and some cool, uh, Dickies jackets. Uh, we're going to do those here in the next few months as well, too. You can check those out at the new website, uh, www.teamfroglogic.com that's teamfroglogic.com for you know all our existing merchandise and stand by for our new merchandise sign up for our newsletter to be on for specials on that I, uh, we're, we're building out some friends have said man why don't you have online training so we're building out some online training hopefully to release around November uh, from Greenface Productions oh man and by the way that training is going to be both for adults and kids we're going to have both right uh, and we're going to have all kinds of things. We're going to develop some female training specifically through Jonna. She's got this wonderful background. Uh, she was an athlete, was a captain of the women's field hockey team at University of Maine. She's got a, a degree in nutrition, uh, really brilliant person on training and focus for women, women's issues, as well as just men as well, too. I mean, she helps us with most of the training, whips my butt on a daily, regular basis. Um, and so uh, Frog Logic, Greenface Productions, that's the next uh, we've got the new podcast where that we re-released uh, and on the podcast. It's not just going to be me talking. I know you're probably sick of me talking already, uh, but I'm going to do a bunch of interviews. Next show will be an interview. Uh, we're going to do motivational base. I might even try a couple my hand at a couple sermon base. We're going to do mobile shows. We're going to do parenting shows. We're going to do some live shows. So all that's coming more YouTube videos. Uh, and we are developing a, a TV show that we're seeing what's up. We're going to try and, and we'll let you know. It's still kind of on the down low, but we should have something for you on that in the next month or two to see if we're going anywhere with that. Um, where can you find it? Uh, teamfroglogic.com, uh, at teamfroglogic on all the social media platforms. Um, you know, mostly Instagram, but I'm on Twitter, Pinterest, uh, Facebook, all that. Um, on YouTube, got a YouTube channel. Just search Frog Logic there. Navy David Rutherford, Navy Seal. Um, 
that's it, man. I hope uh, I hope this has helped. I hope you understand the totality of what this is. Because I can tell you, when I started this, and, and the idea in 05 and officially 06, I had no idea where it would go. I just know I wanted to help. I just know I wanted to make a difference in this world in a positive way by introducing people to some core concepts that I believe that if you apply these simple ideas, these missions, these, these training ideas or formulas to your life, it's not going to change your life forever dramatically. It's not going to give you six-minute abs. It's certainly not going to help you earn a million dollars in 30 days. Man, none of that stuff that a lot of people out there are trying to sell you. It's not who I am. I don't think of myself in that light. I'm not that smart. I'm not that good looking. <laughs> uh, but what I do care about is I care about humanity. I care that we have a, something that enables us to get back up and dust ourselves off and get back in the fight with the people we love. Right? to truly explore the human condition and to help people utilize frog logic in order to defeat that negative insurgency and to achieve success in every environment imaginable. I want to thank everybody that has supported me from day one. I can't thank you enough. I have some incredible people, Marcus and a bunch of others, that you've just been with me the whole time. And it's your love and it's your grace and it's your support that keeps me going. It keeps me working. It keeps me doing all this. And I want to thank my family who's been behind me since the beginning. And I want to thank, you know, all the people that have an impact on, on every stage of this thing. Thank you. And the support I get, especially from Jonna now. I mean, she's all in. She loves and believes in me. And that's what I need. And I appreciate it. So thank you. I feel very blessed to have the opportunity, and I want to thank all of you for listening now. Anybody who pays attention from now or in the future. And I want to thank God, Christ. And it's my faith in you that it ultimately allows me to move forward each and every day. To bear the burden of suffering and pain with a smile on my face and recognition that eventually I'll get to take a seat next to the Father. So God bless all of you. I love you. And hoo-yah, hey. <laughs>